Paige Hyman is with us today from Phelps Health. I'll talk a little bit about what's happening over at the hospital. Good morning, Paige. Good morning, Lee. Yeah, super excited. So today we have one of our new providers on our Ask the Professionals program, Dr. Burke, who is a cardiologist specializing in interventional cardiology at Phelps Health. So welcome to our show today. Good morning. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here. So you have been here for one whole month. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your practice, what brought you to Rolla. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been an um, exciting one month uh, since I joined Phelps Health. And um, uh, as you mentioned, my name is uh, Dr. Fawad Burke. And uh, um, I did my, actually, originally medical school from Nishtar Medical College uh, in Pakistan. And uh, then I came to the United States. I did my um, residency in the Henry Ford Hospital, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, from there, I decided to pursue um, cardiology. Um, and I went to... Uh, for my cardiology fellowship in the uh, University of Texas Medical Branch in uh, in Galveston, Texas. And I did further one year of uh, cardiology that includes uh, specifically interventional cardiology, um, which is my specialty now. Um, and I went to University of Texas in San, at San Antonio. And um, once I graduated from there and I decided to come to Rolla um, here and join Phelps Health. And, um, it's been great so far. I I love Rala, me and my family. I have a four-year-old, and so far, so good, and we, we are having fun. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. So one whole month at Phelps Health, so we hope that we get to keep you for a really long time here. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I love to do with our new providers on the show is just tell us a little bit about your favorite interests outside of Phelps Health. Help us get to know um, who you are, Dr. Burke. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, you know, apart from because having a four-year-old, so you have to be Yeah, that's your active. hobby, right? Yes. <laughs> that's for my wife's hobby. Mm-hmm. I hope she's listening. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, outdoor activities, we, we, we take him out, um, uh, go for hiking, and especially around the trail in Rala. It's just really beautiful. Actually, we can take him for um, bicycle. And uh, more personally, you know, I'm actually a TV guy, so I watch a lot of TV shows, and... Uh, and on my Netflix and HBO Max, so that's kind of like more my interest in there. Uh-huh. But um, but spending time obviously with family, uh, that's the most important part. And, and uh, with my kid, um, I think that's what most of the time I do if I'm not doing medicine. Yeah, that's almost a 24-hour a day job, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you don't get to walk away from exactly, that. Exactly. Um, so today we're going to be talking about interventional cardiology, which is something kind of new to Phelps Health. I'll let you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, but just to kind of get us kicked off what is interventional cardiology what does that mean yeah yeah that's uh, that's a good question so um cardiology um is obviously the whole field uh that includes uh specifically for the for the heart disease but there are subspecialties within cardiology so there's a general cardiologist obviously i'm a general cardiologist too on top of interventional cardiologist who does not do procedures but still sees patients read uh, ultrasounds and do further testing but uh, interventional cardiology specifically is the guy who uh, who actually uh, goes inside your body and if somebody's having a chest pain or heart attack um, go in and put an stents in there uh, in your heart arteries 
um, that's specifically um, uh, the intervention. You have to have extra training for that uh, after your three years of general cardiology. Mm -hmm. the interventional cardiologists can, uh, as I said, put in a stents in your heart arteries. We check, uh, we do right heart cath procedures to check the pressures inside your heart. If you have any valve issues, you can go inside the heart and check your valve issues. Um, some of the interventional cardiologists, uh, uh, they actually check your leg arteries if you have any blockages in your leg arteries and they can see if they can help with that. Um, and um, uh, so most of the time, uh, intervention cardiologist is the one who's in the cath lab, uh, which we are um, going to talk about that, have state-of-the-art two cath labs here in Phelps Health. Um, uh, that's the main part of the interventional cardiology is. Up on top of the mm -hmm. your clinic and your general cardiologist. Yeah, that's a lot to take yeah. in. One of the yeah. things you mentioned that I want to talk about for a minute is you mentioned having training outside of the three years for cardiology. What type mm -hmm. of training do interventional cardiologists need, and why is it so important for them to have that type of training? Yeah, yeah. So for th when when you do general cardiology for three years, uh, you have to obviously mm -hmm. see every patient. You see deal with every part of the heart and every uh, pathology. They have heart failure and they have chest pains, but they, but to put uh, stents in there, um, you really need one uh, or two years. Some people do two years more than that. Uh, do a further training um, because it's it's uh, it, these are not simple procedures, and you gotta spend more time inside the cath lab, uh, specifically for that whole year. You spend time uh, with those patients who actually need uh, having a heart attack or who are having chest pains and. Um, uh, you need that one extra year to learn that specific thing, how to put in a stents in there, how to put um, uh, some mechanical heart pumps in there, how can we help those patients who are having a heart attack. So that one year specialized training is very important um, after you do a general cardiology and sometimes two years. So who are the patients that are going to see an interventional cardiologist? They probably won't see them because they'll be... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So again, as I said, I I am uh, a general cardiologist on top of interventional cardiologist. So I mean, uh, fifty percent of my practice is seeing patients in the clinic and um, reading uh, uh, non-invasive studies. But uh, if somebody is obviously having a chest pain or having an acute heart attack, uh, they are the one <coughs> who's actually going to see us uh, specifically in the cath lab. On top of that, obviously, if we do some testing, if you're having chest angina, if you're having, you do some testing, and if your stress stress is abnormal, you again see us uh, because we're gonna do that procedure uh, uh, called heart cath or angiogram of your um, heart uh, inside the cath lab. So more specifically, somebody who have you know chest pains and a heart attack, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, they're gonna specifically see us, and obviously mainly in the cath lab. So you mentioned chest pains. What are some of the other symptoms or conditions that somebody might come and see you for? Yeah, so uh, uh, obviously on top of somebody is having chest pain and heart attack, uh, but uh, we deal also with patients who have abnormal heart rhythm, um, specifically, you know, atrial fibrillation or atrial flutter. We manage those patients too. Um, on top of that, somebody who have history of or new um, congestive heart failure, we see those patients too. And um, and uh, and also uh, somebody who had um, uh, you know leg pains and they need further evaluation for that. So that's something uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, think about that that we can establish that in Phelps Health here too. So uh, on top of those uh, specifically chest pain, we see a lot of other these patients mm -hmm. as I mentioned. Above. Whenever you see patients that have these types of symptoms or things going on, what type of tests do you perform or order for them? Yeah. So. Um, 
if I see them obviously in the clinic, um, that's the uh, we start if somebody's having chest pain and we assess their risks. Um, we start with their stress test, uh, you know, echocardiogram. That's the ultrasound of your heart. And um, if somebody is obviously, uh, I see him in the hospital with a more acute problem. You start from right from basic. Uh, uh, we check their blood enzymes to check for the heart attack or troponin. Start from the EKG and making sure they're not having an acute heart attack. And then on top of that, you um, you order ultrasound of the heart. And if there's something heart attack going on in there, we take them to the cath lab and do angiogram of the angiogram of the heart. Perfect. So one of the things that you had mentioned whenever we first started talking today was our state-of-the-art interventional cardiology program. Let's take a second before we dive into other parts of our topic today and just talk about what you've been doing during your time here in this new program that we have. Yeah, absolutely. We are very excited about that part uh, 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 that we got state-of-the-art two new cat labs uh, here in Phelps Health and uh, the second cat lab was recently built um, and I'm very excited about that announcing that um, we have now 24-7 cath lab available in Phelps Health. And that's the biggest part of uh, me, myself, and uh, my two other partners, Dr. Shaka and Dr. Patel. We are all three interventional cardiologists. And um, I think that was the big goal for the administration here in Phelps Health, that we should help uh, patients uh, here in our, surround in our own county and in our surrounding counties who are having a um, the heart attacks and we don't have those facilities available you know at, at the midnight or uh, after hours so we are very excited that we have now a uh, uh, fully trained and state-of-the-art interventional program here in Phelps Health um, and two cath labs um, and obviously if somebody's having a heart attack it doesn't matter if it's midnight or if it's daytime we are always on call and um, uh, uh, hopefully uh, this time we obviously don't have to send patients to some other facilities where we were mm -hmm. sending it before uh, if somebody's having a heart attack at midnight. So we are very excited about this new interventional program here in, in Phelps Health. Yeah, Dr. Virk, I love what you just mentioned. A lot of times whenever patients have these types of uh, like heart occurrences um, and they need immediate care, they get shipped out to yes. St. Louis, Columbia, Springfield. Yes. That doesn't have to happen anymore, right? Yeah, no, absolutely not. We have all the gadgets. We have all the expertise here um, uh, here in Phelps Health. So if somebody is hang, having an acute heart attack, which we usually call that STEMI, it's still ST elevation MI. So usually you have a very narrow window period within 90 minutes or 120 minutes that you have to go inside the heart and put in a balloon in there, put in a stand in there to uh, uh, obtain that flow uh, through the arteries into the heart be because the, the longer you delay that procedure, there's more uh, concern for damaging the heart. Um, so no, I, uh, uh, we have uh, all those facilities here in Phelps Health and we are very excited and also not just for the Phelps County, actually the surrounding counties. Uh, we've been talking to people and there are very small rural um, 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 ERs and areas that they were very excited uh, when they heard about mm -hmm. this R24 hour so, uh, STEMI program. So we uh, I'm really hoping that we are, we are not just going to help our own community, we're going to help actually the surrounding mm -hmm. communities. Yeah, all of the six counties that we serve, yes. which is amazing. And I know that you've been doing, I'm going to call it a tour, right? Yes. Yeah, you yeah, and yeah. Uh, our yeah. physician relations specialist on yeah. our team, you guys have been going around and meeting yeah. with all of these people to make sure that they know that we have this available for them. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that's really cool. Um, so as our hospital grows, one of the things that we always do provide is heart care. Mm -hmm. So let's just kind of go back like we did before and talk about what is cardiovascular disease and what does that mean for all of our listeners? 
Yeah, so you know, cardiovascular disease is it's a broad term. So that uh, includes your heart, and at the same time, the other arteries of your uh, body. That includes the arteries in your neck, that your brain, your uh, arteries in your legs. So um, overall, and your veins on top of that. So that's overall, it's a big umbrella term that you could say cardiovascular disease. Within cardiovascular disease, obviously, the biggest problem which uh, um, in the United States we've been dealing with that uh, is the coronary artery disease. That includes the blockages in, in, your, in your heart. And um, the other aspect of the cardiovascular disease is like heart failure. Uh, you have rhythm issues, you have valve issues. Hypertension is a, obviously a, a big um, a problem in, in our country here. And, uh, and a peripheral vascular disease, and that includes your neck arteries, that your leg arteries. So cardiovascular disease is, is, is the overall broad term for all these things I just mentioned to you. How prevalent is heart disease? How many people um, are affected by it? Uh, it's, 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 I would say it's kind of like epidemic. It's not in the United States. It's actually everywhere in this uh uh, in the world, South Asia, uh, here in the United States, um, uh, I think more than like 600 million uh, mm -hmm. people are uh, 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 having problems with a cardiovascular disease. And they are, CDC is anticipating that if we don't control our risk factors, that this might actually go up. And, you know, one in every four deaths. Um, is actually because of the cardiovascular disease. Um, cancer and cardiovascular disease, they are going, um, you know, back and forth, one on top. Um, I think the cardiovascular disease is actually more the leading cause and uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, heart attack or, or mortality in, mm -hmm. in, in our country. So. Yeah, one of the stats that I have to share today is that heart disease is a leading cause of death for both men and women. If that's not kind of a rude awakening, right? Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned about the women. Um, is that uh, you know uh, they uh, they have a lot of risk factors, and uh, sometimes uh, we are not really in good managing uh, heart disease in women because women present in a different way. Mm -hmm. uh, their presentation may be a different as compared to the men. And uh, there's always a, a data that comes out about the gender disparity and the, and the healthcare disparities in different racial disparities and uh, between men and women there. And their presentation could be very different. Uh, they, they sometimes don't have a chest pain. They come in with shortness of breath. They come in with some tired, feeling fatigue, nausea, vomiting. Mm -hmm. So their presentations are, and and then I think as a, as a physician's overall community, we have to be very vigilant um, about those symptoms that some some, some women are presenting to the mm -hmm. hospital. So, yeah, it affects everybody, right? Yes, absolutely. What do our doctors mean whenever they say primary or secondary, whenever we're talking about heart health? Yeah, so, so when you say primary prevention, the goal is to prevent any disease to prevent cardio, having that cardiovascular disease. So um, basically um, the, what you do in primary prevention is that um, you take care of all those risk factors which you can to prevent having any cardiovascular event. That includes your high blood pressure, your, your diabetes, your, uh, if you're a smoker, they talk about that, if, you have, if you're overweight. So basically the preventive strategy is all that cholesterol that you're managing, that all those risk factors, you gotta take care of those risk factors before actually 
you develop that cardiovascular disease. So that's all we usually call it a primary prevention. As compared to the secondary prevention is the one when you actually have a heart attack, you mm -hmm. actually have a cardiovascular disease. Now, so you, since you have developed the disease, now you still have, you got to take care of, uh, the, you have to be more aggressive now to taking care of those uh, risk factors that I mentioned, the cholesterol, the blood pressure, your diabetes, because if you don't take care of that, that if you don't do that secondary prevention, that you might be in trouble. You might uh, get your heart disease gets actually more worse uh, if we don't take care of that. Uh, that that's usually called the secondary prevention. I love one of the things you mentioned, smoking. That always seems to be a really hot topic for all of the doctors that I have on here. Why is smoking um, bad for your heart health? And why is it just so bad overall? Yeah, yeah. So, the, you know, the, the smoking is... It's a, it's a big risk factor uh, uh, in our community or overall in the United States. Um, you know, the cigarette smoking has a lot of toxins in it. And uh, it's not just a nicotine. It's mm -hmm. a lot of toxins that actually promote inflammation. And, you know, the, if I sum up one word, uh, uh, the, what's, the, uh, what's cardiovascular disease, what happens, it's called inflammation. So anything that can cause inflammation is going to cause more problem within your heart arteries. So all those toxins within the smoking, and I'm not just talking about the cigarette, I'm talking about uh, all other ways that you actually inhale, the mm -hmm. vaping part or the, the hookah, uh, uh, what you, people, a lot of people do that too. So all those toxins um, actually promote that inflammation and actually can cause your cardiovascular disease on top of risk mm -hmm. for lung cancer and other other problems. With that. Yeah, I love that you mentioned mm -hmm. hookah because a lot of college-age students, remember yeah. I was in college, that was really popular and it still is. There are hookah bars, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's prevalent a lot mm -hmm. here and I've seen in, in St. Louis mm -hmm. and other, other areas too. So so be, be very careful that it's not just a cigarette. This is everything mm -hmm. which you're inhaling. You're inhaling all those toxins. Yeah, you're right. We like to encapsulate that with, well, it's just cigarettes. I can go do X, Y, Z, but yeah. really they're all bad yeah, for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whenever we talk about smoking, it makes me think of nature versus nurture, right? So there are things that we can control, like whether we're a smoker or not a smoker, but what role does our genetics play in secondary or maybe difficult to manage cardiovascular disease? Yeah, you know, genetics is actually one part of uh, the problem uh, overall cardiovascular risk factors. So there, there have been multiple genes identified that can actually increase your risk for the heart disease. Um, and uh, so, uh, genetics play a role. Um, unfortunately, um, it's not just uh, just the genetics. Actually, genes on top of your environmental factors that affect combined together that actually makes uh, things worse to develop a heart failure thing. Mm -hmm. So, if you have a family history of heart disease, uh, premature heart disease, uh, specifically if you're uh, if somebody in your dad had a heart attack uh, before 55, if your mom had a heart attack before 65. That's usually we call this uh, premature cardiovascular disease in the family history and hypertension, hyperlipidemia. So all those genes you have actually contribute to uh, in your risk factor. And um, obviously uh, you cannot change your genes, but you can modify your environmental uh, effects of, uh, of those that's going to contribute to have your cardiovascular disease. So yeah, genetics play a major role. I feel like you're kind of reading my mind because as you talk about this, I look at my question list and this is a perfect segue into my mm -hmm. next question, family. Family is really, really important whenever we talk about managing cardiovascular health. How can family members work together to ensure that 
everybody in the whole entire family, not just the person that has the risk factor or is um, dealing with secondary prevention of cardiovascular mm -hmm. disease? How can they work together to create a really healthy lifestyle and environment? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if, if somebody had a heart attack, mm -hmm. it's a big change in their life, okay? So they, they need a lot of help. Uh, yeah, we put in a stand, we say that, okay, let's go home, you're doing fine. But they need a lot of uh, social, they need a lot of emotional, uh, and they uh, help on top of, uh, 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 from the family. So family is the one they can actually encourage them and motivate them to actually eat healthy, do uh, uh, exercise, whatever they can tolerate, and take care of themselves. Uh, if they're a smoker, they can actually encourage them to not to smoke and and um, a lot of patients have this issues too because they have a secondhand smoking in terms of that if their spouse if their other family member is smoking in the family and it's hard for them to quit with that so so uh, everything starts from home so family play mm -hmm. a big major role um, to take care of those secondary prevention in terms of their diet smoking uh, high blood pressure watching and their exercise. Without, I think it's, uh, without family support, it gets pretty tough to because patient is already in a lot of stress because of uh, the heart mm -hmm. attack. So I believe the and on top of that, compliance with the medications and mm -hmm. um, especially our geriatric like old age population. Yeah. Um, you know they forget to take their meds and um, I mean in my own family I know that. Yeah, my grandparents uh, are notorious for yeah. that. So so they need a lot of help with that too um, and. Um, I've seen a lot of patients uh, here since I've been here one month. I feel like there's a very good family support here and um, uh, the family system is actually really good and they have a lot of actually help from their family. I'm really glad about that. I love that. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It, it kind of makes me laugh um, whenever you talk about patients who are older. My grandparents, whenever they do remember to take their medication, what's different for them is their lifestyle is, their diet is... Um, not up to par maybe mm -hmm. so they may take their medicine but then they'll go eat fried eggs <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. so you yeah. you have to do both right how oh, important yeah. is is diet or i want to say the lifestyle modifications because yeah. sometimes we think about diet and that has a negative connotation mm -hmm. what type of diet would you recommend or is it just watching things in portions yeah so uh, uh both i would say watching things in portions um i usually take it more realistic approach mm -hmm. and just like um I can't just tell you to stop eating. I mean, we gotta live and we gotta eat. You know, yeah. so um, the important thing is eat healthy, and what that means is that please make sure that you include more fruits and vegetables um, in your diet. Um, if you like chicken, sure, yeah, take a chicken. If you like red meat, yeah, you can take red meat. I'm not telling you to stop everything, but try to take a more like a lean portion of that. Try to mm -hmm. avoid that fat portion of that. Once in the week, if you're taking it, it's, it's, it's that fine. Um, but more uh, part of your diet, and as you said, portion. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not telling you that you're gonna take uh, a big chunk of steak and every day and you say yeah. that. Or okay, a Big Mac. Or a Big Mac, <laughs> exactly. So vegetables, fruits, add nuts, um, add um, legumes, the beans, um, uh, you know, um, uh, in your in your diet with that, all these fruits, vegetables, as I mentioned, they have anti-inflammatory effects on your heart, and that's how they actually helps with that. All those antioxidants in your in your uh, food actually helps with that, and some of the food actually promote inflammation in that. So, so I would totally we call this like for the blood pressure, uh, watch your for heart disease overall, watch your salt, 
for mm -hmm. watch your sugar if you have a, a diabetes with that you can sure you can eat if you have diabetes you can eat uh, 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 fruit but uh, try to avoid that uh, the a lot of sugar you're putting in your coffee you mm -hmm. can drink a coffee with less sugar or no sugar um, so a lot of stuff a canned food which you're eating you're going to Walmart or somewhere else you're just picking up that soup it has a lot of salt they gotta put the salt in there to preserve that food which you may not know uh, and you're you so no I usually patient says that no I just put a small salt I was like do you eat outside yeah I do I pick up that food from here and you are not aware of that there's a lot of salt in in those mm -hmm. uh, uh, they have to preserve the food with yeah, those well, salts. Yeah, well, even in our packaged meats that are Absolutely. uncooked, they have, they have salt Absolutely. in it. We don't so realize try that. So eat, try to yep. eat, uh, like, you know, at home, fresh food, mm -hmm. more vegetables and more fruits. And um, uh, I think that's definitely helps. And on top of that, exercise. Yeah, Dr. Virk, I think that's amazing. Um, what a great way to wrap up our show. Thank you yeah. so much for being here today. Um, Dr. Virk is a cardiologist specializing in interventional cardiology at Phelps Health. If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org.